Hi, I'm Phil Morehart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. February 16th through 23rd is National Entrepreneurship Week. And some of you out there might be thinking to yourselves, what does entrepreneurship have to do with libraries? Well, plenty. As community hubs and incubators, libraries are perfectly situated to help new businesses get off their feet and thrive. Whether it's by offering resources and books to spark ideas, or by hosting workshops on the ins and outs of business management led by local business leaders. Today, on the Dewey Decibel Podcast, we talk with folks from two libraries that are leading the charge. First, American Libraries Managing Editor Tara Dinkowski speaks with Amy Fisher, she's Information Reader Services Manager, and Morgan Perry, Business Outreach Specialist at Mid-Continent Public Library in Missouri, about their Square One Small Business Services Program. Next, I speak with Roosevelt Weeks, he is Director of Austin Public Library at Austin, Texas, about the programs that his library offers in one of the most vibrant environments for startup businesses in the United States. But first, a word from a sponsor. I know, I know, we're just weeks out from the end of the ALA Midwinter Meeting in Seattle. But it's not too early to start thinking ahead, to the summer, to your summer plans. Specifically, to the ALA Annual Conference and Exhibits, coming up June 20th through 25th in Washington, D.C. Why are we so excited so early, though? Well, in addition to the D.C. locale and the conference's many panels and forums led by your friends and peers, this year we'll have the George Takai as an auditorium speaker. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to hear insights and straight talk from Star Trek's Sulu. Registration is already open, so you can get your summer plans in order now. Visit 2019.alaannual.org for more information. Starting a new business, particularly a food-based business, can be a tricky and risky endeavor to navigate successfully. Luckily, the library can help. The Square One Small Business Services Program at Mid-Continent Library, that's a system serving Clay, Jackson, and Platte Counties in Missouri, offers special resources and programs for people looking to get into the food truck game or any other business at that. American Library's Managing Editor Tara Dankowski spoke with Amy Fisher and Morgan Perry from Mid-Continent to learn more. Could you introduce yourself for our audience? Um, I'm Amy Fisher. I'm the Information Reader Services Manager for Mid-Continent Public Library. I oversee our Square One Small Business Services. And I'm Morgan Terry. I'm the Business Outreach Specialist from Square One Small Business Services by Mid-Continent Public Library. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I was wondering if you guys could start by telling us how and why uh, Square One Small Business Services Program um, at Mid-Continent got started. Um, it started about nine, ten years ago. My supervisor, Steve Potter, um, thought it, since we had all these business resources, they weren't getting used to the potential that maybe we needed to go out and take our resources to the business community. So at about that time, it was only me. Um, this is Amy. Sorry. Um, 
and we cover three counties. So we started going to, I started going to the chambers and just letting the business community know what the library had to offer resource-wise. Um, so that's kind of how it started. Then about five years ago, it was too much for one person to cover all of these dips because we have a lot of small communities too or cities that have their own chambers and EDCs. So we decided I needed more help. So about five years ago, we um, added business specialists, small business specialists, and I started out with two and a business librarian at that time. Um, and one of the things, it, it just kind of started from there. I am now up to six on my Square One team, and that's how we got started. That's great. And you mentioned some of those um, kind of different small communities. Um, so I'm curious, what kinds of people and businesses does the program serve? Um, we will help anyone that comes to us, to the Square One team, but our target customer is those people that are just starting out. They may have a just a high school education, they may have a college degree, but it may not be a business degree. A lot of these people have never owned their own business before. Um, we determined after starting out going to the chambers that really those people in the chambers, the business people in the chambers are not our target customer. Um, our, our customers are before you would even get to a chamber. There seems to be a fair amount of programming dedicated to food business um, at your library. So things like opening a restaurant, starting a food truck, um, selling and marketing food products. Um, what, what was the intention behind starting a food business education track, and did that come from some of the feedback you were receiving? Um, we really look to strike a balance with square one programming. So for us to pick something up, there has to be um, there has to be this balance between what people are saying they want, what we think they need, and then in addition to that, what they'll actually show up for. So for food business programming, we really identified a hole in the market. So I, I don't know how much anyone out there knows about Kansas City, but we're home to the Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation. They do a lot of the research in the world that's happening around entrepreneurship. So we have a thriving and large business resource community that covers a lot of different subjects. And for us, it became a discussion around not duplicating, but finding those holes in what was being offered to help support small businesses. And can we leverage our library's resources to fill those holes? So. It did not take us but maybe a year to discover there's not anything to support food businesses. And, and let me tell you, they make a product that you put inside of your body. So why aren't we paying more attention to those businesses? As businesses start to fail and struggle, what happens? The quality of their product goes down. We want to keep that from happening. So one, we saw a need. It was a hole in the market. Two, we got feedback from our community partners that people were asking for this programming and they didn't have anywhere to send them. We actually got a call from KC BizCare, 
which is an office in the Kansas City government that is a liaison between small business owners and people looking to start a small business and city government. Then we also had someone step up that wanted to offer this knowledge. So for us, that was the, the three critical things we need to hear in order to start addressing a problem. Yeah. Um, and now what are, what are some of the types of programs and workshops um, that you offer in this food business uh, education track? Um, food business education for us is really about starting a restaurant getting your food product into stores, which, sidebar, if you have never heard of that struggle, it is really complicated and counterintuitive to get your food product in stores. I could spend three podcasts just talking about that. <laughs> we also do, I, it is just, it makes zero sense most of the time. We also do a second step to owning your restaurant because as we are balancing this customer need and leveraging our resources as a library system, we also started looking at the data. Of course, the data should always flavor what you're offering for educational opportunities. So what we discovered is that it's not in the first year that food businesses fail. Food businesses tend to fail year three through year five, and that's where you really see the drop off. So that means if you've gotten someone started, you're not helping them as much as you think you are. Because the real challenge comes later on in the process. So we added that second class to really cover that need. We also do food, a food truck workshop, and that's our big one. We have people who come down from Minnesota to Kansas City, Missouri, from Springfield, Illinois, and from farther away because no one else is offering those courses. It's a six-hour course, by the way. It's very in-depth. It's really designed to get you on your wheels and out on the streets. It's a huge need regionally and nationally to offer open source information about this. Um, also, we do accounting basics. So we got two years into this food biz and then discovered, wow, they are not keeping track of the records, which is leading to that three to five year gap in success. So we need to start them out from the beginning. So as we get farther and farther into working with this particular customers and we learn more about them, the programming changes to address those needs. Wow. I would not have guessed um, that the three to five year mark was, you know, so critical for so much of your audience. Um, so for someone uh, who's kind of just starting out or, you know, continuing their education. Um, I guess I want to ask, what kind of research or resources are at the top of the list? So how does the library guide this um, research or um, kind of uh, resource checking process? There's really two answers for this question. And the, the normal answer, the answer you'd get on the SBA website and any score chapter across the nation would be, you need to look at your natural skills. You need to build a business plan. You need to download your competitor list and do your market workshop, uh, your market research, and all of those normal things. But for us, the real answer in this is that you need to go work in a food business. You would be shocked when we survey people in our food business classes, the amount of people that are passionate about food and are totally dedicated to spending their time and their money and put it all on the line to open a restaurant that have never worked in one. So that's been as high as 70% of our class attendees before. So we're really starting people what we would call below the beginning. 
And we think it's a successful program if people decide not to start a food truck or not to open a restaurant after they've taken our classes. Not everybody needs to open their own business. We want to make sure that the opportunity to open your business exists. But we also want to have programming that's sophisticated enough, education that really allows you to see if this is something you're going to stay with. And the reason we say that is because we've seen it go wrong so many times. And those businesses in that three to five years, they don't fail because the food is bad. They fail for a variety of other reasons. And it's not because they're not profitable. It's because they're not profitable enough to justify the amount of work that they're putting into them. And, and that's the kind of thing that you don't know when you start serving these people. That's the, that's the kind of information you only get to if you're really asking questions and listening to your customer base. So we really try to, hey, go work in a food business before you buy that food truck off Craigslist. And if that's for us as a success, if you sit through that six hours and then you go and you have that experience working on a food truck for four hours and then decide, am I going to put my time and money into this? So we really concentrate on get the experience and then also don't just bank on your subject expertise. You might very well make the best yeast rolls in the entire nation. That could be totally true. And you could still at the same time not know how to run a business. So we take that normal list of how you start thinking about owning a business, and then we take a more realistic spin on it. Make sure you know what this looks like in person before you try it, and make sure you know that you're not a baker as much as you are a business owner. Because that's why people fail after the first year in business. It's for so many more reasons than just how the food tastes. Um, to that to that point about subject expertise, that's a good segue. Uh, can you speak a little to Can you speak a little to the specialties and the expertise of your librarians and staffers? Because you mentioned there is a, a staff of six who does this um, business services program. So what I look for when I'm hiring, I have one person out of my six that are actually has a library degree, and that's our business information librarian. All of the others, I have discovered if they are a librarian, it's probably not the best fit for what we're doing with Square One because while we're doing some of that, you know, with the one-on-one help with the research and things like that, that is very librarian. But what they do is, is totally different than that library world. It's a different way of thinking how we do all of this. It's going out into the communities. So I, on my team, Morgan is my business outreach specialist. She goes out in the community, makes those connections with resource partners, with other businesses, um, with people that could possibly teach our classes. Um, we have some on the team that are very dedicated to social media, and we help a lot of uh, people with their social media, so we do classes on that. Um, I have a programming person. We're adding now a what we're calling a business and career librarian to take that workforce development piece that we haven't done before, but adding that in. And it can go both ways 
for um, people. It could be businesses that are looking to expand their business and hire people, helping them, but also helping that person that needs some skills and different things like that. Um, the one thing about all of my team is they are not business coaches. They're experts in getting people connected to the information that they need. Um, they know the resource community. They listen to what the people are talking about. Um, they do a lot of training. They go and take the classes that that we suggest to them. So they are taking the SCORE classes. They're taking the SPTDC classes. They're, they take what uh, the Kaufman Foundation has called Fast Track. They're taking those classes so they know where the people are that we're helping, where they're starting from. Amy, you mentioned um, partners and uh, connecting people to sources. So I just want to ask, um, what kind of specific community partners uh, does the library have to kind of make this program possible? I'm going to hand you off to Morgan. She does a lot of that. <laughs> um, that is also a good question that has multiple answers. Uh, we really, because of the type of the approach to programming that we take, we look for community partners that aren't necessarily professional instructors um, or professional presenters. We look for people who are subject experts, and then we help them become better teachers. So what that looks like for us is that we go into our communities through these networking events and through reading everything that comes out about our business community, truly leveraging that expertise in what's around us, and we go find out who does it best. And then we meet with them, and then we, we help them communicate that information to other people. And that's a huge departure from how programming is normally done, right? We're, we're a large library system. We do 8,400 programs a year and sometimes more than that. So we need people that are experienced in how to present information at the library. But for square one, we go the other way. It's, it's sometimes much more difficult, but we go source the subject expert and then help them become a better teacher. The other area of community partners that are absolutely necessary for us is connecting with the other business resource organizations. So we've got a really well-organized community in Kansas City. We go and we spend time with our community partners like SCORE, like the SBA, and a lot of other people in the metro that are doing excellent work. And to be completely honest with you, the library's not in the top 10 results when you ask people, where do you go to get help with your small business? Am I right? Right. Yeah. People just don't come to that decision on their own. So that means we have to build these really, really tight relationships with our community partners. And we have positioned ourselves in that market as an accessory. So we absolutely support your decision as a potential business owner to go start your journey with SCORE and get a business mentor with SCORE. But then what we ask that other organization to do is bring us into the conversation when, it time, when it's time to start talking about your market research. We want to be there to offer that free access to Reference USA and Demographics Now and trade journals. We feel like we should be used 
by what other people might see as our competitors, but we're not competitors. We're all working together. And with more than 220 small business resource organizations just in our metro, it is critical. And that is the key to the success we've had in square one. We were able to very quickly move up the position of the library in this community by leveraging those community partners, by being good friends. And a lot of that comes to showing up, which is why this subject matter is such a challenge for your average public library, because you have to go out, you have to leave that building, you have to go build those relationships. When they're doing a business after hours, it's important that you show up. And that was a critical lesson for us, and I am so glad we learned that early because we are experiencing the fruits of that labor right now. Do you have any success stories um, you'd be willing to share? Um, you know, you mentioned that you're building the library's profile and people are now looking at you um, as someone who can provide business resources, you know, where you're not, you weren't, you know, popping up in Google before. So do you have any stories where, I guess, small business owners look at the library in a different way now or have leveraged something really specific to make their business successful? One of my favorite food business success stories that we share is with a gentleman who was a justice-involved individual. He'd um, really started joining support groups at his last time exiting that and working on entrepreneurship as a way to avoid going back to jail, which we just respect so much. And uh, we had a hard time getting him to be confident confident enough to ask for an internship at a food truck to really see how that goes. Uh, we lost touch with him. He stopped coming back to us, which for us is kind of a failure on our part. But what happened is that we had given him so much to think of and it required such a mind shift change that it took him a few months to process that information. We actually saw him at the launch of a Kansas City food truck cookbook, which, look that up, it's a lot of fun. Um, we saw him at this launch of this cookbook that we had helped with, and he came up to us and he was like, I have changed everything about my potential business because I finally went and worked on a food truck. And to us, that's where we make the difference. If we can get you to evaluate your business idea, that's our whole purpose because we know if your foundation is strong, you have a better chance when it comes year three. You have a better chance when it comes to your five. And that can't happen without really knowing not just how to make the bread, but how the business works. ALA JobList is the award-winning source for jobs in library science and technology. If you're looking for a new job or an employer who wants to advertise a job opening, JobList has you covered. Job seekers can refine and filter searches by position type, employer, or location, post resumes, and automate alerts to never miss a posting. Employers can rest easy knowing that ALA reaches the engaged professionals that they want to hire. It also simplifies recruiting by offering flat rate pricing, discounted multi-ad packages, and enhanced postings for increased visibility. ALA JobList. It's where job seekers and employers get results. Visit joblist.ala.org for more information or to begin your search today. Get on the list. Austin, Texas is a thriving hotbed for startups and new businesses. And Austin Public Library has had a definite role in that success. 
I spoke with Roosevelt Weeks, Austin Public Library Director, about the library's place in that growth, its involvement in the Urban Libraries Council, and the many programs and resources that Austin Public Library offers for budding entrepreneurs and small businesses. Uh, you, one of the things that, that we want to talk about is the, you know, the resources that we provide to small businesses. You know, as you know, most libraries have these, these things ready for um, their customers, uh, and that is, you know, we have space, we have the resources, databases, and things that uh, businesses can use, and more importantly, we have the technology for them to use. Um, you know, we have Wi-Fi where they can come in and do their work, uh, and what got us into you know, wanting to do this is, as you stated earlier in our conversation, is that, you know, ULC was looking for some um, libraries to to strengthen what we do with entrepreneurs, and we were one of the sites that were chosen. And, and you know, here in Austin, you know, Austin is one of the best places, um, you know, to start a business. You know, we have 42 small businesses that are supported by incubators and accelerators throughout the city and municipally funded um, uh, small business program. Um, you know, we are one of the youngest um, cities in the country. Our average age is 33, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt that we have the University of Texas, which have a lot of young kids, but the average mm -hmm. age here is 33 years old. And so it was a great opportunity for us to work with the with ULC and the Kauffman Foundation to help promote what we do here. And uh, when did um, you you start? When, was the, when did the Austin Public Library first start offering these um, these resources and programs. When did you decide to tap into to this uh, really vibrant Austin entrepreneurial uh, scene? You know, we we've always done a small amount of work in this area uh, with some of our customers. You know, naturally coming in asking us for help. But we actually kicked off this program uh, formally back in the summer of 2018, and and we've been going strong ever since. Oh, awesome. And so what type of um, resources and, and programs are you offering for uh, for, the, for the, uh, the small business community? Since we kicked our program off officially, um, you know, we, we offer our online resources, you know, our small business builder, you know, A to Z, Small Business Reference and Resource Center. Those are the things that they really come in for to do their market research. Um, and we've had, you know, we offer classes to uh, – those that come in uh, for us, and we're working with the small business uh, center here in the uh, in the city. And we participated in National Business Week back in May, uh, in the, with a partnership with the small business program. And we offer a variety of classes at our neighborhood libraries. Uh, we also uh, work with Univision to put, uh, put on a program um, for our Hispanic community, and we had over 800 attendees uh, to include that. And, you know, it provided skills and how to grow your business, how to promote your business. It was an absolutely wonderful program. Um, and then we have a small pitch competition where we offer local startups some funding uh, for their business. And, you know, that's the area that we want to concentrate our efforts in those small businesses and those new businesses and those that want to grow their business. And, and I think that's where our niche is uh, here at uh, APL. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I was looking on your website at some of the resources. One thing that really uh, impressed me uh, was the database for all the, like, the books and resources that uh, are online. It's, it's exhaustive. It's massive. Um, and, I was, it, it, and it kind of led me to wonder, like, who, um, 
who's determining the content and the direction of these programs? I'm assuming with something like the database, that's, that's library-based, but maybe some of the other programs um, are with external groups like maybe uh, chambers of commerce, et cetera. Um, so how are you, how are you organizing all this? Um, like, who's determining the content? You know, one of the things that we try our best to do is to provide content based on what our customers are asking for. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the content that we have is content-driven, um, customer-driven. And, you know, and oftentimes, you know, we work with our partners, and partners will tell us, this is what our, our, comp um, our companies are looking for. And so we try to cater and tailor that information to those uh, individual uh, businesses. Okay. And um, who are you seeing attending these events? Because I know it's either the you know, entrepreneurial, small business angle. Um, are you are you seeing a lot of people coming in who this is their first time uh, in such an endeavor, um, or are you seeing some more established businesses coming to you for tips? Like, what's what's the demographic like? More, we see more of the startups. They have, you know, they have an idea. They don't understand how to pitch their business. They don't understand how to start their business. Uh, and what we're seeing is those who need help with a work plan, um, a business plan. And mm -hmm. that business plan is to help them to go out and pitch their business. And so that's what we see a lot of, um, uh, businesses uh, wanting to know how, you know, how to go out the funding. Where are the funding sources? And, and we have those databases to show them what the, the, the funding sources are. And so we see a lot of uh, the startups, more say, uh, than others. But we do have a pocket of, of business that, that have been in the business, you know, for one or two years uh, that's looking to expand into uh, some of the pitfalls that they may have fallen into. We help them to, uh, you know, avoid those pitfalls and to move forward. Oh, great. Um, can you share any of the, any success stories that have come out of um – Austin Public Libraries programs. Oh, you know there are many. Uh, you know I, I had mentioned the uh, universe, Univision uh, uh, event that we had. Well, we had many people coming in from that and and participating, and they just did not realize. I mean, you know, people talking from that, they just didn't realize all the resources that we had that was actually for free, and it doesn't cost anything. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, them walking in and realizing that all of this is free. And we have yeah. yes, it's free, and and um, and so that's what we see most uh, a lot of, and that's what we are hearing from our customers that these resources are free to them, and that we help them guide them through those resources and help them understand those resources. Oh, excellent! Um, now I'm sure some of our our, our listeners. Uh, our listeners listening to this right now to put it to put it awkwardly, uh, some of them might are probably interested in doing something similar at their library. Um, do you have any advice for them, or where do they should start? Yeah, my advice is to you know those resources that we did with ULC. You have access to those resources. We will start sharing those resources, but just realize that a lot of the things that you're doing right now, where, where people come in, they may not, you may not, they may not know that they're doing it for their business, but when they start asking for databases uh, that we have, uh, the resources that we have, help them to do that. Rec help them to, I mean, you need to promote those resources to them. Um, one of the things here in Austin is that we have the space where we have uh, shared learning rooms where people come in and do their presentation. A lot of times mm -hmm. they need space to uh, um, how to, you know, just to meet with someone or, or to, uh, work with uh, someone in the community to help them to, to, to grow their business. And so you have them to realize that they already have the, uh, the tools that they need to help entrepreneurs. And that's, you know, as I stated earlier, that's the space. 
they have the you know the database and the resources to help. And more importantly, you know most libraries have the internet, and and it's capable of uh, people to come in and do their work from from the from the library. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I, I recommend to all of our listeners if you have any questions, I mean, just go to Austin Public Library's website, uh, library.austintexas.gov, and um, it's all right there. Starting a business from getting started to this is you know specific to Austin, of course, but um, you know, city of Austin permits, you know, it, it, chambers it, it, of it, Congress. That's exactly right. It, it, it's a fly, you know, and most cities, libraries in those cities, they have their own um, resources that they can they can tap into. And, and a lot of times, especially in the, in the larger cities, um, you know, there are chambers that they can work with, and they'd be eager to work with libraries. We are one of the most trusted institutions in the community, and folks trust us. And so, uh, and a lot of people like to partner with us when it when it comes to uh, doing things to help the community grow. That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Join us next month as we tackle a controversial hot-button topic, weeding. That's right, how to best get rid of those pesky, outdated books in your stacks in the best way possible. It'll be an episode that you do not want to miss. If you have any comments, complaints, praise, story ideas, anything at all, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can shoot me an email at deweydecibel at ala.org. I promise to get back to you immediately. Also, iTunes users, please rate and review us. It helps us rise in the rankings and reach more ears. And also, hey, you can find us on Spotify. If you didn't know that, you can find us on Spotify. And also, before we before we end here, I'd like to thank everyone who joined us at the podcasting panel on the Pop Top stage at Midwinter in Seattle. It was excellent seeing you and talking to all of you. We're planning another panel for annual in DC. Stay tuned for more details. Until next month, I'm Phil Moorhart from American Libraries Magazine, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. Mm-hmm.